Here is the Crescendo Music Education Podcast, episode number 44. Here's the second part of my chat with Rowan Hardy. This is episode 44. If you missed episode 43, go back and have a listen to that first It's really good being able to speak to a secondary music teacher. I think there's not enough communication between the sectors of primary and secondary. So I'm very happy to make this extra connection. Enjoy part two of my chat with Rowan. Now, did you want to say anything more about the process of what you're doing? Or shall we leave that there and go on to the nuggets? Well, I think, I think I've pretty much, I think I've summed up the essence of what I'm doing. Yeah. And as I said, the, the story will become clear as I, as I go through this process Mm. and I'm, I'm only really halfway through. So hopefully, you know, some of the listeners will give us some feedback or if people want to shoot me a line or whatever, I thought about this, then that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm very open to the direction this is going in, but yeah. Oh, sounds I'm fascinating. And we will make sure that we put your contact details there in case yeah, please do. Yeah, want yeah. to chase Thank that you. up. That would be great. So I do this with all of my guests and mm-hmm. I do it partly for me because I <laughs> like their nuggets of fabulous things that <laughs> I can use. So it's just, it can be absolutely anything. It yeah. could be, I put down three, but I don't care if it's yeah. one. I don't care if it's five. I always pick odd numbers. I don't know why. But your okay, all-time favourite resources, <laughs> activities, songs, games. Now, I know you're secondary-based, so yeah, we yeah, will keep okay. this in mind. However, yeah, yeah. as I've always said, the difference between, well, now it's, I have to say, between grade six and seven, the difference between grade six kids and grade seven kids is mm. six weeks. Yeah. So yeah. you're really not teaching completely different species. So. No. I think people need to keep that in mind. And can I say, I did two years in high school recently, six years ago, and (laughs) honestly, behaviour management and working with the kids, it's it's not chalk and cheese. I know they're not exactly the same, but, you know, if you can manage a group of four-year-olds, you can probably manage a group of 15-year-olds. I'm I'm not saying the same, but a lot similar. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I have the utmost respect for primary school music teachers. My wife's teaching in primary sector, like she teaches across primary to high in a, in a she's at a, she's a Steiner teacher. And it's, I, I, I hear the stories, I, her <laughs> brain moved from, you know, a class four group through to a class 12 group. It's, it's crazy. So, and the different mode she's got to move to all the time. Yeah. Like, huge amount of respect so I think you have to be um, quite a creative flexible person to work very with children much generally so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I've I've got three and I've kind of summed them up in three less let's say roles that I play in my job so one is around you know what I do in the staff room one uh, another nugget is around what I do in a classroom and another one is around what I might do in a in a practice room or a studio environment so kind of more specifically with kids you know one-to-one or yeah so hopefully that covers everything and listeners have a bit of oh that's interesting oh that's cool so it's broad (laughs) and I've tried to keep within the spirit of play right so my role as a head of department I'm often looking for ways to connect personally and professionally with my staff Um, I have a team on the coast here of 
eight staff. I had a team of nearly 20 in Brisbane. So I've always been really focused on trying to make sure that I can catch up with people. And I also learned so much pedagogically through discussing and observing other teachers. That's a major part of my job, which I'm so grateful for. Mm. Um, so my first nugget is a weekly practice that I've put in and I've done for a couple of years now, and it's called Disconnect to Reconnect. Um, so each week, um, our team, our staff team, and that's I teach uh, my team consists of drama, music and art teachers. Um, spend one lunch break together without the devices and we chat um, generally over either a game of cards or I bring some banana grams we've done coloring in Um, we even made lego around the table just to try and solve problems be creative relax just one hour and it's just one break and I deliberately make sure I get everybody off of playground duty that particular day and then formalize it where we all get a chance to bond together and we shift our focus to more lighthearted aspects of our profession, like the kid in, you know, period two that did something funny, or we find ourselves wandering back into conversation so often about teaching. And it's generally inspired because we're busy, like we're, you know, challenging one another and we're doing those kinds of things and with, you know, activities or, yeah. So I'd love to try to cross faculties and interact with teachers in English and history or science. It's also a really great way to foster well-being and a sense of belonging as well. So that's been a really cool little nugget that I've kind of, I'm exploring more and more of. So that's one. Earlier on, we talked about, um, this is a classroom activity that I've started exploring as well. I talked about, I've been writing curriculum for this um, national songwriting program called Songmakers, which I suggest you check out um it is it's a secondary school program um but it's funded by an industry body called APRA AMCOS who are the music industry body responsible for paying royalties and like uh, copyright the reason I say is that I've been kind of working around activities in the way I've been writing this curriculum to promote sort of group collaboration and creativity and embody the whole process of songwriting without this really heavy reliance on technology because I love technology, but there are certainly lots of schools out there where it's at a at a minimum um, and very difficult to manage. So my second nugget is kind of courtesy of a gentleman at the Berkeley College of Music called Pat Pats- Patterson, um, and it's called object writing. So it's also kind of known in the industry as sense writing. So it's a literacy skill. In a way, it's related to music, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, it's a technique or skill that describes objects using the five physical senses. So that's sight, hearing, smell, touch, and taste, and two additional senses called organic sense and the kinesthetic sense. So the idea is to spend 10 minutes on each object. And usually I'll do it as a warm up for the class. So it's probably good for your like late primary school, year five and six mm. students, um, even potentially grade four. You write, you could write in full sentences, you can type or write in fragments of like say song lyrics or poetry whatever whatever suits and it could be about you know uh, a loaf of bread or it could be there's actually a cool website that just randomly generates words like not or toaster I don't know to go with the bread theme again (laughs) and it's really about bringing in conceptual skills into the student's brains so that before they can start making music and in the in the songwriting realm you use it in more ways than just writing lyrics. You could also use it to describe a narrative or a mood of some particular composition activity you were about to run, or you could use it to unpack some more details around texture or timbre or some of the musical elements that you wanted to explore. 
um, particularly in relation to some of those senses, because that's a really great way of bringing in that concept of timbre and texture into mm-hmm. the idea of, you know, physical senses. There's also apparently Instagram accounts that I haven't seen that put up a new image every day. So there's a few different, it's it's quite a well-known technique, but right. it's, it's a great songwriting technique, but I can see it expanding further into like even the ways you design a lesson. So that's my second one. And my third is more to do with the practice room and or and or the studio space or if you're working with students and you're really hitting a bit of a roadblock with some things. I discovered this years ago, I read a book by Tim Harford called Messy, which I recommend. It's really good. Um, there's a, a technique that Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt adapted back in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, um, and it's called the Oblique Strategies. And it was originally a deck of cards. I think it was like hundred-ish cards and there are like nomic suggestions on them to inspire creativity um, or move through blocks, creative blocks. So some of the quotes might be, so you randomize the card. There's actually an iPhone app I have called Oblique Strategies. So it just randomizes and it gives you a quote and the quote is like, use an old idea or another one is what to increase and what to reduce. Or another one might be only one element of each kind. So they're quite metaphoric and they're designed to make you think a little bit about how you get out of a mess. Uh, And I mean, teachers can approach this however they want. I found it really useful for kids who are like, just, I can't write music. I just, uh, I hate composition or I hate writing songs. You know, it's a great way to get started, um, particularly for those kids that are a little bit more like do things a little differently. Don't like the whole like, to start with this, then start with that, then start with the linear approach, let's say, yeah. to teaching. So Oblique Strategies is the last one, I think, that I've, I I love. It's a really great little activity. And you can put it in, you can do anything with it. So it's pretty cool. So I think they're my three, Deb. I love it, Rowan. I <laughs> love them. I love, oh, I wish we had a disconnect to connect. That's oh, yeah. magic. <laughs> no, but honestly, yeah. to have someone... And, you know, because a line manager who Mm, cares enough about you to do that, because just even to get everyone off playground duty at that time is is no mean feat. You know, like you've got to get all that to happen. But I I just love that idea. That's Mm. so good. And the object writing I've never heard of and messy, I'm going to have to get that book. I'm going to have to put all these links in the show notes. Oh, please do, yeah. And it makes me want to write, like I've written some music, I've written a couple of choral Mm. pieces that, you know, and I love it. It's no time for that in my life at the moment. But Yeah, I understand. I love it and I miss it. And now Mm. I want to do object writing and (laughs) I want to work on some new pieces. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty inspiring. And that's what keeps me in the classroom too, right? Like as much as I'm attracted to research or I've been in I've been in acting positions at an administrative level I I, I couldn't last because I missed that you mm-hmm. know opportunity to put this stuff into practice that that's I, I really I thrive off it so oh that's great I'm glad they were useful <laughs> oh they were wonderful all right it leads us really to our last couple of yeah, sure. things I always like finishing with a question around advocacy so if mm. you had any advice for teachers who are maybe fighting for their jobs or just mm. to reinforce how important our job, what we mm. do is, and then right at the end you get 
to go on your soapbox and tell the world. I bet it's probably something to do with play. But anyway, well, <laughs> it might not be. It might be a surprise. So oh. advocacy advice first. Okay. All right. So just before I'll preface this by saying for these next two questions, I've actually written a response. So, and I wanted to do that because I wanted to make sure I articulated this clearly and I wasn't just riffing. I really wanted, because this is important to me. Thank um, you. It's important to me. And as a jazz musician, which mm, you are, I appreciate yeah. you have taken the time to write your responses rather than riffing. Yeah, like I, I like a blend of the two, right? Yeah, I mean, love it. When you, play, when you play jazz, you do a little bit of the formal stuff, you do a little bit of the improvised stuff. So it's it's actually quite stylistic. But yeah, let's call it let's call this the head of a jazz chart, right? Okay. So I yeah, so here's my response to the question around advocacy. So I said, um, be a musician in the classroom, in the rehearsal studio, and on the stage, in the staff room, or at a meeting. So connect with who you are as a musician and come to see the gift of teaching as part of your artistic practice. So policy will change and evolve, and for some of us old enough, will come full circle. Adapting, deciphering, and decoding policy is about finding your true north, our inbuilt instinct to be playful and curious. So we need to improvise a little and explore more around the borderlines of our craft to really advance a richer diversity and equality in music education. So that's my answer to advocacy, which is quite broad. Like it's not just, you know, get out there and do X, Y, Z. I actually think you, we need to be musicians and not like I'm just a teacher. You're not just a teacher. Like teaching is a gift you have. You also have the gift of music all of us have the gift of music and we've been gifted that and we've worked hard on our practice there's got to be a way of bringing that spirit into our into the way we do our lead our profession so that's quite and that can be interpreted in so many ways so that many is ways quite profound and quite beautiful yeah yeah so that's my answer for that question and the soapbox question i honestly it's also quite brief because the soapbox, we could do another podcast on my soapbox if you wanted to. So <laughs> yeah, we will. Just, again... Let's do it. But, <laughs> but let's have the brief version now. Yeah, of course. So this is, again, just really brief. So, um, and this sums up a little where I'm at. Education is relational. And as such, education educators must foster individual agency to deeply connect and communicate with students, parents, and colleagues. So it's therefore critical that we find within us the courage to take some risks to show some vulnerability and to give the gift of teaching with a spirit of play that we so dearly wish for our music education moments to look, sound and feel like. So that's my soapbox. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Yeah, hopefully I didn't read through that too quickly. <laughs> oh, it was lovely. Well, then if people didn't get it, they need to rewind. <laughs> yeah, they can change the speed, the playback speed. They can, totally. they can hear it slower if you want. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think that's an absolutely perfect way mm. to finish our podcast. And I'm so thrilled that we've hooked up again. Oh, me too, Deb. Thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. I'm so grateful for the time that you've given. And yeah, for giving me the opportunity to talk about what I love. I'm really grateful. And we will do it again for sure. And yeah. I want oh, to be kept to. informed about yeah, what you're doing. And in the show notes, we'll put where people can connect with you 
Is mm, there a yeah. place that's best to connect with you? I'm not a big social media guy. I have an email address that I'm happy to share and people can reach out if they want. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just put yeah. that in the show notes. We'll yeah, pop your email address in the show notes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there could be someone out there saying, oh, I just really want to talk to him about this. So Yeah, or oh, give me feedback too. Like, please, like I'm open to any ideas. So mm. I love it. And thank you again for That's okay, fascinating insights. Now I want to go and write music and read these books. And oh, you're inspiring. Thank you, Rowan. Thanks, Deb. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. Don't forget you'll find the show notes and transcript and all sorts of information on crescendo.com.au. If you've enjoyed the podcast or found it valuable, you might like to rate it on your podcast player and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it if you did. All I can be is the best version of me. All you can do is be the best you. Until next time, bye. As we know, laughter relieves stress. Don't lose sight of the funny side of life. Does anyone out there need an ark? Because I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> uh.